The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. Got some great guests, uh, Mandy Menger from the Daily Racing Forum, also president of the Turf Publicists of America, is going to be our first guest. And then in the second half, we're expected to talk to the director of communications at Churchill Downs, multiple award-winning radio host, John Asher, who is all things Churchill Downs. Uh, of course, all the horses that came out of the big race at Churchill Downs, the Kentucky Derby, well, they boated pretty well for themselves on the trail to the Triple Crown. And uh, the uh, winners of the Derby and the Preakness, of course, uh, dueled off in the Belmont Stakes. We're going to get to that in just a little bit. Uh, an interesting release that came out today, in case you didn't hear it. Uh, these are the statements from jockey Ramon Dominguez. Riding thoroughbreds has always been my passion and my calling. When I was 13 and I watched my first horse race in Venezuela, I knew that I would become a jockey, and my riding career has brought happiness and success beyond what I ever expected. Thus, it is extremely difficult for me to announce that due to severity of the injuries I sustained in an accident at Aqueduct Racetrack on January 18th, my professional riding career has come to an end. While I hoped and even expected to be able to return to the saddle, as a result of my injuries and upon the advice of my treating physicians, it has been determined that I will no longer be able to pursue my career as a jockey. I want to personally thank my family, fans, and fellow riders for overwhelming support in the months since my accident. I chose to make this statement to end speculation about my future, but I am not yet ready to speak publicly. I will come forward on my own, but in the meantime, I ask that you please respect my privacy as I continue my recovery. Well, of course, our thoughts uh, will go out to Ramon, and uh, we look forward to uh, hearing statements from him in the near future. Uh, but, boy, racing certainly has lost an amazing uh, talent there. I mean, he just dominated the, the, the Niagara circuit. Uh, his career started back in back in '96 when he recorded the 55 wins and just continued to grow year after year. Um, after 2003, every year uh, he earned double digit um, in the millions purses. Last year, 25,634 from 342 wins. So just a truly uh, amazing career by Ramon Dominguez. And, again, he will be um, missed very much by, by the racing community. And uh, we'll just have to stay tuned to, to see what else, uh, what else comes out of it. Um, but that is the, the, the latest breaking story. Of course, uh, the big story of the week was blinkers off, <clears throat> Palace Malice. Um, I'm sure uh, Todd Pletcher might be scratching his head wondering why he would put blinkers on for the Kentucky Derby when we saw the outcome of the Belmont Stakes. Uh, you know, and as usual, you know, the Belmont being a long race, a lot of people mistakenly think that it's a race that's, that's set up for a closer, and that certainly was not the case. 
last Saturday. Now, remember, we were talking to Dan Elman. The weather report was going to be uh, very, very bad for New York. Well, as it turns out, it got better and better throughout the day. And uh, actually, it was fast, uh, the race before the Belmont Stakes. Uh, but with, with that said, uh, the track condition not being a, a big factor, uh, Palace Malice, veteran Mike Smith, even though he finished 12th in the Derby, got invited back by Todd Pletcher to ride Dogwood Stables horse. And Palace Malice uh, pretty much uh, stalked the pace uh, set by Oxbow for a while and uh, stayed about third. But when he got to a, the point in the race where they had covered a quarter of a mile, that's when he took the lead and he pulled away to win by three and a quarter lengths. Of course, uh, W. Campbell, the owner uh, of partnerships for Dogwood Stable. I believe he's 85 years old and one of the legends in the game, and it's kind of neat to see him uh, winning a Belmont Stakes. Oxbow and Gary Stevens, well, they hung around for the second spot. And uh, Orb, I believe the track announcer said that he was in a different zip code. Uh, he was 13th in the early part of the going. Looked like he was making a winning move on the turn, but uh, that effort had to take an awful lot out of him, and he ended up running third in the race. So uh, Blinker's off to the Belmont, and Mike Smith stayed on. And uh, as he went by Gary, he just said, you go get it, guy. And, uh, you know, the uh, uh, for Smith, uh, he's 47 years old now. This was his second Belmont win uh, following uh, Drosselmeyer in 2010. Uh, he finished second last year, as you recall, uh, with Painter. And uh, he, uh, you know, deservingly so. Of course, the Belmont win was the second for Pletcher. You may recall that he saddled rags to riches back in 2007. Of course, we were part of the conversation last week was the fact that he was sending out five horses in the Belmont. Well, in addition to finishing first, they finished fifth, sixth, seventh, and twelfth. Well, uh, like I said, we're going to have um, Mandy uh, Minger on a little bit later in the show. Uh, of course, we've had Michael Blowen from Old Friends Retirement Farm on the show in the past, and uh, Old Friends Equine awarded the Bobby Frankel Award to the staff of the Daily Racing Forum last week on Belmont Weekend uh, in recognition of the 90-page glossy tribute to the famous racehorses that now reside at the Kentucky Retirement Facility. And uh, Believe me, you, this is something you definitely want to get. I'm sure you can contact old friends in order to get a copy, but uh, the uh, photography by Barbara Livingston uh, is just fantastic. Of course, the award's name for uh, the late New York-based trainer Bobby Frankel uh, because he was a big supporter uh, of old friends. So uh, we'll be talking a little bit about that uh, that award uh, with uh, Mandy Menger. Of course, uh, they're having all kinds of events down there, so stay tuned if you're, if you're in the area near Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, old Friends is in Georgetown, which is not very far away, and uh, visitors are welcome all the time. Well, a racing legend was lost today, across uh, not today, this week, across the pond, as Sir Henry Cecil, the legendary trainer, he died at the age of 70. Now, as you will recall, last year he trained the super horse, Frankel, uh, who officially is the highest-rated racehorse uh, ever over in Europe. Um, many people say that uh, Cecil Lee was described as the greatest trainer of all time by broadcaster Derek Thompson, uh, considered a true legend. And when he went over 
years ago in the early 80s, Steve Coffin wrote for him. And uh, he had six successful years as the stable jockey that was called Warren Place. He said that uh, Cecil was a genius, that he had a great sense of humor, super intelligent guy, and really knew how to place his horses. He said he tried to have fun. The atmosphere during most of the time at Warren Place was very upbeat. So even Steve Coffin uh, had great things for him. Of course, he was awarded knighthood. Uh, back in 2011, uh, he uh, won the uh, English Derby, I believe, four times with Slip Anchor, Reference Point, Commander-in-Chief, and Oath, and he won 21 other British Classic winners. So one of racing's legends, Sir Henry Cecil, passes away at 70. Here is uh, some more interesting news while talking about Frankel, uh, Khalid Abdullah, who both bred and owned the unbeaten Wonder Horse Frankel, he's going to dispose of part of his powerful global racing empire. Uh, some of his key people said that they're not necessarily going to uh, guarantee that Frankel is going to be part of it, but uh, it, this is significant bloodstock uh, that if you think about uh, the horses uh, that, that Judmont uh, has had over the years, Frankel's valued at $100 million. He's standing his first year. Um, they also have uh, stud farms at Henley and Tenbury in Britain, as well as farms both here in Kentucky and in Ireland. Uh, top stallions are Oasis Dream, uh, Dan Silly, and Rail Link. Uh, he also owns the dam of Frankel, Kind, uh, and uh, has a uh, half-sister who just broke her maiden impressively. So uh, these some interesting horses that are going to go through a sales ring not too soon. Um, Okay, here's one that, that got away. If you if you weren't watching your pedigree pages and you were at Presque Isle, um, enchanting Lisa, who uh, it was a half sister, is a half sister to Wise Dan. She won her debut last week in a romp over Maiden Special Weight Field at, again at Presque Isle, and uh, she's a, she's a daughter of Warchant. She's trained by Chuck Lapresti, the, the the same trainer as. Uh, Wise Dan and successful Dan will run this weekend, and uh, she got away as the third choice in that race at three to one, paying eight dollars and forty cents. Okay, well let's take a look at uh, some of uh, last week's racing. Certainly, I uh, had a great card at Belmont Park. The weather though did affect the Friday card pretty seriously. Uh, the uh, Jayapur Stakes uh, that was originally carded as a grade three was downgraded uh, because it was run over the sloppy main track and uh, it won't have its graded status restored uh, for, for this renewal. Uh, the American Graded Stakes Committee has gone ahead and, and ruled that. So uh, well, let's go ahead and take a look. Of course, you know the, the result of the Belmont, but also on Friday was one of the most exciting races you'll ever see. And it was the, the Brooklyn Handicap that we handicapped with Dan Illman from the form last week. And uh, in this race, Kaleidoscopio, an Argentinian bred, 10-year-old, had to be 22 lengths out of it in the slop down the backstretch. Uh, Aaron Grider, who's been the regular rider of this horse in its only two starts in the United States after shipping in from Argentina. Again, this horse, 10 years old, rallied from 22 back 
to get up at the wire, actually won pretty good. In uh, second was uh, Percussion, uh, who led all the way in the slop. And third was the favorite, Fast Falcon. Again, that was uh, on Friday, the Brooklyn Handicap. Uh, make sure that you go to uh, a website that has the video of that because you will absolutely be floored. There's, you, you'll just say to yourself, there's no way that uh, this horse is going to get up and win, and nonetheless uh, does. Well, let's, let's take a look at the other stakes on the, uh, on the Belmont card last Saturday. Uh, we'll start off with the uh, easy goer, and uh, that was uh, Rosie Napravnik getting the win aboard favored power broker in wire-to-wire fashion. And by this time, the weather was getting good. The, the uh, main track was listed as good. Uh, second was Micromanage, and third was Ersal. Uh, then in the uh, grade two RTN True North, uh, the winner was Fast Bullet, Besting his stablemate Justin Phillip. Now uh, they were they were coupled in the wagering, both owned by Zayat Stable. But Bob Baffert owns Fast Bullet, and Justin Phillip is uh, trained by uh, Steve Asmussen. Now a Fast Bullet, uh, we're kind of scratching our head about this horse. It's a five-year-old horse uh, who has won uh, three career races coming into this one. And it uh, looks like they might wanted to make sure that they got a graded stakes win under him. Uh, and the fact that he had only run four times in his career, so I think he upped his value as a stud. Well, again, uh, while the main track was getting better and better all day, the turf course was still pretty soaked from Friday. So it was a yielding course for the Longines, just a game, a grade one, half a million dollar race. And rallying from fifth, Here's something you hear a lot. It was a daughter of Kitten's Joy, Stephanie's Kitten, railing from fifth, getting up by a half a length over Better Lucky. And the third spot was Hungry Island. And uh, the horse we were scratching our head about was Ms. Direction. We were wondering if uh, perhaps they might scratch her. She's basically a West Coast horse. But she led the whole way but did get tired on that yielding course at Belmont Park. Uh, in the... Uh, the Woody Stevens, this was a pretty close finish, and getting up was Todd Pletcher trained 40 tails, who was coming out of a win in the Kentucky Derby trial from 10th to 1st, got up over Declan's Warrior, and clearly now. Uh, one of the best races uh, that I've seen all year was the Grade 1 Woodford Reserve Manhattan, and no disappointment to the many backers a point of entry horse that had to get scratched on derby day shug mcgay decided to go on the yielding turf course beautiful ride by uh, johnny v point of entry gets up uh, over optimizer who was pretty much on the front end and led for a little while and then in the third spot was real solution of course after that was the belmont stakes a palace malice Oxbow and the rallying orb give you a $2 trifecta of $931. Well, that's a look at uh, the main race action that we had last week, mostly celebrating the Belmont Stakes and the racing surrounding it. And coming up next, we're going to have someone that is a, a person that gets all that information out to you about the big races every week, uh, the Vice President of Marketing, Mandy Minger from the Daily Racing Forum. Don't go away. You're listening to Winning Ponies.
flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's a tough shot. Got it with 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and uh, with me right now is Mandy Minger, somebody I've been trying to get on the show for months, but she's always so busy. Now, as you know, we have many of her stable of stars from the Daily Racing Forum on as uh, guests and and handicappers uh, on on Winning Ponies, and they've always been great to work with us. Uh, But, Mandy, she's the one behind the scenes that really kind of, you know, keeps the the, the form out there and lets people know that they really are the Bible of racing. Uh, She's currently the vice president of marketing with the form. She's been with them since 92, uh, and, boy, she's not afraid to get her hands dirty. She started as a groom at Philadelphia Park and then worked in the publicity department at Atlantic City Race course. Uh, she's had various uh, marketing pres- uh, positions, and uh, she has a very important role in racing in addition to her paid duties, and that's as president of the Turf Publicists uh, of America. She also manages the title sponsorship of the Daily Racing Forum NTRA Handicapping Championship. And while I always thought that Mandy was a bit of a saint, when I read part of her bio, I find out that she truly is, because <laughs> something that knocked me back was that she travels annually to the San Pedro Sula, Honduras, where she does mission work at Our Little Roses Orphanage. I guess that's what, that's what keeps you young and so positive, right, Mandy? <laughs> well, thank you for the introduction, Don, and it's, it's a pleasure to be here. And, yes, my, my work is... Um, Sneaking away to that orphanage every year is the one thing that keeps me truly balanced. It is, um, boy, we, we all know deep down that we're very lucky, but if you go to a third-world country and you see abject poverty, you really realize um, just how lucky all of us are. Even if we have a losing day at the track, it's, we still have a winning life here in America. So, um, so thank you for all that. 
Well, you know, certainly uh, your life is putting 10 pounds in a 5-pound sack because uh, in addition to your your many duties of the daily racing form, I also know that uh, you've got a couple little girls you take care of, and plus you do a lot of traveling. I mean, uh, it's just amazing that it's working at our Little Roses Orphanage is what keeps you centered. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, the traveling... For the racing um, is something I enjoy so much. I, I, you know, I look forward to going out there, and I always joke with my neighbors here in the suburbs of Philadelphia that I know more people at the racetrack than I do, um, you know, just in my own backyard. So it's, um, you know, again, like you said, I, I got into racing at a very early age, and it's been a labor of love ever since. One of the things I didn't put in my bio, but you may find interesting, is I had an off-track thoroughbred given to me when I was 13 years old. He was retired, but he was actually the horse named Cyclone in the Black Stallion movie. Really? Truly amazing. (laughs) You you know, one thing your bio doesn't tell me about is it touches... Can you tell me a little bit about you know how how you got the bug with horses? Were were you uh, 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 did you grow up on a farm or were you just uh, associated with a, a stable area? How did you get the bug? You know, I grew up um, in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, which is a little bit of horse country, but but nobody in my family ever um, had had gotten bitten by the bug, and I certainly did in first grade. I started taking riding lessons in second grade. I fell off of a horse and broke my arm in three spots and said, that's it. And um, I didn't mean it because, you know, three weeks after the cast came off, I was begging to go back to my riding lessons. And and that's what I did, um, you know, when other teenagers were getting into all kinds of trouble, I was going to the stable um, every day. And then once again, my first thoroughbred was when I was 13, to pay his board, I had a trainer at the time named Rob Pashuk, um, and he would pick me up at my house. I was, uh, I guess I was 15, and you had to be 16 to get a stable license, so he'd drive me outside the stable gate at what was then Keystone Racecourse, which is now Parks, and mm-hmm. he would cover me with a horse blanket. I'd lay down in his pickup truck. He'd cover me <laughs> with a horse blanket and, and sneak me in, so I was actually, <laughs> I was, um you know, kind of cheating the system my first year in in horse racing as a hot walker until I was old enough to get a license. So I've, I've um, you know, caught the bug very early on. And once I was at the track, I can't think of a more exciting place to be. Oh, that, that's that's great. I really never knew uh, that side side of your life. So uh, your, your passion does run deep. But obviously, um, you... Uh, I have so many responsibilities at the forum, but uh, a frequent guest on Winning Ponies and a gentleman that's become a friend of mine over the years is Michael Blowen. And can you tell us a little bit about uh, the awarding of the Bobby Frankel Award? I know that's not the reason why you put together uh, the uh, the Old Friends uh, segment was to get an award, but uh, th- th- that magazine that you have put out for two years now, and it's 90 pages. It's, it's, it's just, it's magnificent. Of course, you've got your great writers. Uh, you've got your photographer, Barbara Livingston. Can, can you tell us how that all came about? Sure, um, and it's and it's exciting. And, and Michael Blowen has become a dear friend of mine. When we um, first met with him, and of course we were aware of all the great work he was doing, but um, I know a volunteer that that spends every Saturday out at his farm. Her name is Barbara Fossum, and she works over at the NTRA. And she said, "Gee, you know, one of the things that old friends needs the most is the publicity and and a communications tool." We have 20,000 visitors to the farm every year, but 
when people visit the gift shop on their way out, a lot of times they're trying from memory to remember all these fabulous things we're telling them about, all these fabulous horses. And boy, oh boy, it would be great if we had a pamphlet or, or something to point to. And so that discussion grew into, well, we've got to do, you know, a standalone supplement. And um, within a couple of weeks of the first conversation, we were at dinner in Lexington with Michael Blowen and his lovely wife, Diane, and we were sitting around a table brainstorming what it could be. And, you know, we decided, oh, it needed past performances to support these great horses. And, And how are we going to narrow it down from the 117 that he takes care of to to just a few, but there were there were lots of logical choices, and you know there continue to be so so much material for our writers, um, you know, to, to report on. Barbara Livingston couldn't enjoy more her time and her work out there. Um, and in fact, last year when she went out, it was um, the, the day before was a muddy day, and she went out early in the morning to pick the horses she was going to shoot and, and went out there with a curry comb and a brush and, and, and cleaned them up, which would, you know, just a wow. testament to how much she enjoys being with the horses. Um, and, you know, anybody who's been out to that farm can will tell you, you know, there's not a better advocate for the sport than Michael Blowen. And we tried to just capture some of that energy and some of the stories he tells in the magazines. And, we just put out our second one. You're you're absolutely right. It was last week, and he honored us um, with a lovely surprise that we'll always treasure, which is the Frankel Award um, for our our work on behalf of the farm and what we were able to do through industry support and the support of many um, of the fabulous farms around the country is to underwrite all of our costs associated with it and publish 20,000 copies of the magazine and deliver them right to his farm. So he instantly had a tool for all the buses that pull up to his front steps, um, for all the promotions he's doing at different racetracks across the country, and all of his special events to just basically get the word out there. Well, all I can tell our listeners is they better get their hands on a copy because it it really is fantastic. Um, Well, being the, the... engineer of the marketing of the daily racing form again it's if you're a race goer i believe it's the the bible um what what kind of changes are we going through uh, obviously mandy with the electronic age and everybody getting their information off a screen instead of uh, you know something that has ink on it uh it's got to be impacting you what, what are some of the positives that are coming out of that for the daily racing form sure i think that's a, a really relevant point daily racing form is is just such an, a fabulous and dynamic company, and it is going on 119 years old, but we're constantly reinventing the company. And what we have going on now is a digital-first strategy. So let me just talk to you for a second about timelines. In the past, on a Thursday, all of our writers around the country were filing their stories by 5 p.m. on Thursday for Saturday's newspaper, and that newspaper was printed through the evening on Thursday night so that it can get to the racetrack on Friday morning, and that's when we broke any news stories. So even if a story got to our writer on Thursday at 10 a.m., the earliest anybody would be aware of that news was Friday. Now we have a digital first strategy. So our writers in the field go right for the story. They tweet it out. The minute they they, they're in a barn and they're, they're getting something from a trainer. They send those 144 characters. They go right on out. Then they go ahead and file a couple of short paragraphs, which will be posted to DRF.com's homepage. And then they go on 
write their feature story, and the feature story appears in the newspaper two days later. But the news that's really relevant, um, you know, is consumed by people different these days, and Daily Racing Forum was able to make that transformation. I know. I mean, I'll, I'll never be lonely because all I have to do is go to www.drf.com, and I just sit there and I just love it. I feel like I'm in the press box with these guys. Um, the, the, the comments about a re- upcoming race or something that just happened in a race or, as you said, you know, breaking news that there's going to be a feature story about it, but, hey, we just found out so-and-so was scratched from a big race or so-and-so was entered in a big race. It, it's off to the right of the daily racing form, and all I can say is you, you can spend a whole day just sitting there reading your columnist uh, comments. It, it's, to me, it's very entertaining. And that's great, and, and I think that's a good point. You don't need to you know, be on a smartphone to follow it on Twitter. If you've said, you know, I, I don't tweet and nor do I want to, you don't need to. You you can, again, go to DRF.com, look at the homepage, and the the comments are just going to scroll in. And, and I'm with you. If I hear rumblings or buzz that something might be happening in the racing world that is of interest to me and I, and I want to be have my hand on the pulse, I just keep an eye on our homepage. And that news is, um, is quite often broke right there on, on DRF.com. Uh, it really is. And uh, one one more thing, as I see my producer says I've got about two minutes left, is uh, you have brought into your stable of stars uh, two guys that I've been friends with and that I respect so much uh, for their knowledge of the game and their ability to, to write, uh, and that is uh, Mark Simon and Joe Nevels. And together, along with uh, several of your Bloodstock writers, uh, put together, I can't wait till it comes out every week, the breeding section. Uh, can you tell us, you know, obviously the Thoroughbred Times went away, uh, so those of us that really enjoy reading about breeding, uh, there's really only one other competitor out there at, at the moment uh, at, on a major level, and that being the Blood Horse. Uh, what went into putting this component into the daily racing form? Sure. Well, daily racing form has been expanding in lots of different areas, as you know, over um, the last several years, you know, we've we've increased our presence on the harness side. We launched DRF Bets, where you can come to our website and make a wager right through the right through the homepage. And the DRF, the breeding part of the business, which had been handled fabulously by Glennie Kane for many years, um, we just looked at that as another area of expansion. And we don't, we really see the pedigree side of the business as, um, you know, kind of a one and one A with the racing side, you know, without understanding where these horses have come from, especially these first-time starters and these two-year-olds, it's, it's very hard to get some insight for our, um, our horse players. So it was really logical, and, and Mark Simon being, you know, just, you know, the best in class out there, you know, to have him not only join Daily Racing Forum, but now be our editorial director, you know, in the number one post, is really exciting, and everybody on our end is really excited about that. Well, Mandy, you know, you've just you, you've got you've surrounded yourself with a fantastic team. I, I think you, you do a great job at marketing not only the daily racing form, uh, but this great sport of racing. Listen, you have to make a promise to me. I haven't had a chance to get to talk to you about the Turf Publicists of America and maybe some of the new vistas are going. Will you promise me that you'll come back on Winning Ponies sometime in the near future? I promise. It's a promise. All right. Well, Mandy, thanks so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it, and uh, I really look forward to our next meeting. Thank you. I really enjoyed this. Thank you very much. 
Okay, that was Mandy Menger from the Daily Racing Forum. Does a sensational job with the forum, and like I said, is a an angel of mercy as she travels uh, annually to uh, do mission work at our little Rose's Orphanage in uh, Honduras. Now, another angel of the game or soldier of the game, a guy that made my heart beat strongly when I thought, uh-oh, I can't get a hold of him. John Asher, the Vice President of Racing Communications from Churchill, is with us. I think they've got another big weekend coming up, and I want to get his insight into what's going to be happening at Churchill Downs this weekend, and then hopefully we'll get our teeth into some of the great racing that they're going to have there. You're listening to Winning Ponies. flagship station for sports voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. This Is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports, all moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world, collegiate and professional, take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me now is John Asher, the Vice President and Racing Communications Director at Churchill Downs. But he's been much more than that. First of all, he's the guy that's got the greatest pipes in racing, and that's 
Uh, you can hear him as a radio journalist. I've had a, a lot of Eclipse Award winners on the show, but I don't know that I've had anybody that's earned five Eclipse Awards, and John has uh, for outstanding national radio coverage of thoroughbred racing. Uh, he's also uh, had other industry honors, such as the Kentucky Thoroughbred Owners Warner L. Jones Jr. Horseman of the Year Award, and no relation, the Charles W. Engelhardt Award for excellence in media coverage uh, from the Kentucky Thoroughbred Owners and Breeders. Uh, I also know that he was uh, honored by the uh, seven times by the Associated Press's Kentucky Radio's Best Reporter in Large Market. And also I know that he is a proud graduate of Western Kentucky University. I'd read the rest of his resume, but we'd be out of time. John Asher, how are you doing? I'm great, John. How are you, buddy? I'm doing just fine now that I now that I got a hold of you. Um, you got to feel pretty good uh, looking in the rearview mirror right now. Uh, I know that, uh, that that Churchill took some hits uh, when you guys decided to come up with the point system, um, but. The more and more I read the racing journalists around the country, uh, I, I think it looks like you, you had a home run, and, and the horses that you, that you that you brought together for the Kentucky Derby A were extremely close and competitive bunch, and I think that that was uh, couldn't have been shown any better by the, the subsequent Triple Crown races. Yeah, change change is difficult anywhere, anytime, any level, and that was a pretty significant change uh, when it came to uh, to uh, determining the field for the Kentucky Derby, and, and uh, we, we had a lot of a lot of questions, and there should have been. I mean, it was it was a pretty drastic change, and then, although it had been discussed on and off in the, in the racing press, and you know, cert- certainly inside our building, and certainly in a lot of conversations with horsemen over the years. Uh, we, it, we we did kind of uh, uh, we kind of kind of fired at them pretty quickly there, and uh, and uh, we were confident going in, knowing full well that there's nothing like having the uh, the the experience of that that first year underneath your belt, and and uh, knowing full well that there would be some things we, we'd probably want to tweak when it was was finished with. But uh, but we were, we were pretty strong believers in it. We had a good team that worked on it. My my coworker uh, Darren Rogers might be the best statistical mind in the, in the game, and uh, and his work was just just remarkable on it. But but the, but the proof was when the horses ran on the track. And uh, I know you know a fairly strong critic for us early on, and he's he's never shy with an opinion. And, uh, and and told both uh, Darren and myself uh, early on uh, was it was Dwayne Lucas. He did not care for the system. He did not, you know, he had a couple of live horses in his barn clearly with an Oxbow and and will take charge and did not care for it. But uh, one of the probably the best comment I heard uh, over Derby Week was uh, Wayne told some reporters. He said, "I got to apologize to John Asher. This thing worked pretty well." <laughs> he said, "He said he said I like it pretty well." So. So again, we're we're looking at it now. The Triple Crown's in the rearview mirror. The Derby's in the rearview mirror, and we had the same system for the Kentucky Oaks. So, so we're looking, you know, pluses, minuses, uh, what we think worked, what we uh, thought maybe didn't work, what should be added, what uh, what should stay the same. So, uh, you know, and really, we'll be kicking back into the the, the point system, the uh, road of the Kentucky Derby point system. It's not far not far off. It'll mean it'll be in September. Or so, so any any changes that we make will come up pretty pretty quickly. But uh, we ended up being pretty pretty gratified by. Response and uh, and uh, and are thankful that uh, Horseman and, and some members of the media thought it worked pretty well. Uh, absolutely, as a matter of fact, I, from from you know what I read on on a daily basis, I, I believe that you won uh, a lot of the uh, horse riders over. 
because I saw more detractors in the beginning, and then I saw people towards the end go, you know, this really is bringing the best of the bunch together. So um, my my hat's off to you there. Now, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm just saying that the one thing that some people were saying is, is uh, and you may not be able to answer this question, is uh, – taking a look at uh, assigning points to the Philly races that might make it a little more engaging for, let's say, uh, a Rachel Alexander or Zenyatta to, yeah. to uh, make it into the Derby field. Yeah, I'm not sure that one's at the top of our list. Of uh, You know, we're, we're looking at uh, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. I, I think that, that was an issue a lot of people brought up. And, uh, and uh, you know a couple other races, but but for Phillies, it's uh, you know I think you, you got a lot of you got a lot of issues you have to determine with Phillies, and uh, all the three Phillies that have won the Kentucky Derby, the three uh, the three Phillies starting with regret, then on to Genuine Risk, and on to Winning Colors, they all faced males before Derby Day. And uh, two of them, uh, Winning Colors, uh, uh, had won the San Diego Derby, I think, by seven lengths uh, before she came here and, and beat 49er and the boys in the, the 88 Derby. Genuine Risk had finished third in the Wood Memorial before she came here and won the Derby. And Regret, way back at 15, uh, she beat the boys everywhere she went. I mean, she was just a very exceptional filly. But, but again, that's that's one of the bottom lines we started with. And also, if, if you allow a filly in off of points earned in filly races, is that not rewarding a horse for running in a restricted race? That's a question right, we're good, still dealing with. Good point. You know, we we everything else is is a graded stakes race, no restrictions, no state breads, no other restrictions. But yet the Phillies would be awarded for for competing in a in a uh, in a restricted race. Now, one thing I think uh, that that some Oaks trainers, I, I know everyone was talking about uh, about Todd Pletcher's good filly, uh, Dreaming of Julia, and. Uh, and of course, she came out of out of nowhere. It went not completely out of nowhere. We knew she was a good a good filly, but who knew she was going to win the Gulfstream Oaks and run up a 115 buyer speed figure? I mean, not I guarantee you, Todd didn't know. I've talked to him on two or three occasions, and he did not see that coming. Uh, and uh, and they were not, although she was nominated, several were nominated to this year's uh, Kentucky Derby. Princess of Silmar, the Oaks winner, she was a nominee to this year's uh, uh, Triple Crown and Kentucky Derby. But Todd really wasn't seriously looking looking at one of those. Uh, but, but you know, we think the opportunity is there at at this point. Uh, I don't know whether we change anything there or not because uh, any points that a filly earns in a race against Colts will go to their point total in the Oak system. That's, well, that's kind of the, that, uh, an edge, a little edge we give them. If you want to run in the Arkansas Derby, if you want to run in the Florida Derby, you run one, two, three in there. Decide, nah, I don't think the Oaks is, is for me. Those points will go on to your to your Oaks total. So, uh, but it, you know, it's an issue we're taking a look at. We we uh, we we got a lot of input from a lot of people, and, and of course, raised our own questions as time went on. That's that's certainly one of them. But uh, but you know, it's uh, that, I think that restricted race is a really big part of that of that question and that discussion is 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 it a level playing field when you're going to get five pounds anyway when you come into the race to have been allowed into the race with points in, in a restricted race which is not allowed in there for any of the colts good point and and well stated well an, another innovative thing that's happened to churchill downs over the past uh, uh years is uh the addition of night racing and it looks like you have got just 
one hell of a card coming up this Saturday. I got to admit, when we first started to put the lights in, and that was five years ago. Actually, back in, you remember back when we did our first started our renovation back in uh, 2001, uh, when we you know we spent 126 million dollars or 123 million dollars on the racetrack here, and one of the things that was cut out of the plan at the last second was was lights. We we had lights in into the plan back then, and we had to cut some uh, you know a couple of areas. And that was one of them, but but uh, but it came back to life five years ago. This is now the fifth year we've had we've had lights and. And this was just a personal dream of mine from the get-go. I was hoping we would see the Stephen Foster Handicap Program at night. And last year we did it for the first time. Worked very well. Had a great response from fans across the country. And so here we go again. And so we've got three night racing sessions left here at Churchill Downs the next three Saturdays. But the one I'm most excited about is, is this one. Stephen Foster Handicap, four stakes races, headed by the Foster, which is the first of the Breeders' Cup win-and-your-end races for uh, for older horses. We We've also got the Florida Lee for Phillies and Mares three and up, and the two-time champion, uh, and the two-time defending Breeders' Cup Ladies Classic champion, uh, Royal Delta, is back in that one. She won the race last year in one of the most impressive performances you'll, you'll, you've ever seen under the Twin Spires. So she's back for Bill Mott this year. And then we've got two other terrific races. We've got the Matt Wynn uh, for uh, three rolls on the main track, and that's a mile and the 16th. That's drawn a terrific field. And the regret uh, on on the grass for three-year-old fillies, another terrific field. So we'll we'll have us all stakes pick four. Um, a lot of things going on that night, and also uh, also we have Arabian races here that night. As it's uh, uh, Abu Dhabi is is sponsoring uh, the race card, and, and they, we'll have after the the four um, Stephen Foster stakes races are over with, we'll have uh, uh, a Grade One race for the Arabians. We had one of those here a couple of years. Uh, actually, it was last year. We had one last year, so they're back this time. So great variety, lots of fun, and uh, and uh, but the main thing, the, the main part of the show is going to be the Foster. Six horses in there, but wow, what a six. We've got uh, the last two winners, Ron the Greek, who upset uh, uh, Horse of the Year to be Wise Dan a year ago. He's back. Uh, the winner from two years ago, Pool Play, from Mark Cassie, came rolling from off the pace to, to win. So we've got the last two winners of the Stephen Foster, and including the horse that finished last in last year's Foster, and that was Fort Larned, who went on to win the Breeders' Cup Classic later in the year. So he's here. And uh, and successful Dan, the stablemate to Wise Dan, who's uh, had uh, had to be handled, you know, very gently by trainer Charles Lepresti in the and uh, uh, over his last two seasons, as he's had some tendon issues, and they've taken all the time in the world with him. Uh, Chuck believes this is the night that uh, that he wins his Grade One. They've been pointing successful Dan to this one for a while, and then you've got Take Charge Indy, who's uh, who's on the way uh, on the way up. Uh, ran in last year's Kentucky Derby, won last year's Florida Derby, uh, came back off an injury layoff, won a ran a huge race here on uh, Oaks Day in the Ali Sheba here at Churchill, and then one more. Let's uh, you know the one I wouldn't mention would be the one who'd win. That's Golden Ticket. No, I was going to wait to see if you're going to leave him off your list. <laughs> no, I, I refuse to leave one out in the six field because it'll put him right in the winner's circle. But all he did was uh, dead heat for the win in the Travers last year. What a terrific six-horse field. Yeah, and he, and he had a really nice race last time uh, yeah, at, at Churchill Downs. And uh, you know, anytime McPeak's got somebody in, it's 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 hard to not not to t- take a look at him. But uh, you just went through uh, an amazingly uh, talented field. And uh, you know, kind of a, a who's who of, of racing. Uh, <clears throat> 
I see successful Dan has been made, I believe, the slight favorite. Yeah, he's 2-1 to one in there. I mean, you know, and here's a horse that's raced four times in the last two years. That's how well-regarded uh, he is. And, and who could do, who could bet against Charles Lepresti and that family right now, for that matter? I don't know if you saw the uh, the clip on the on the racing forum, but uh, but the yeah, uh, we had it the, on the show earlier. Good, impressed good, Kyle. Good. The sister was super impressive. They just they just keep rolling. That mare is amazing. How how did the they, she went off the third favorite? Somebody wasn't reading their breeding column that afternoon. <laughs> that one that one stunned me as well. And she could have won more easily. I mean, ears pricking. Wow, she looked good. Now here's 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 a question. I mean, um, I'm going to skip around on, on your four stakes and what time we have left. Yes. Is who would have thought that the Dubai World Cup would serve as a prep race for the for the Florida Lease? <laughs> yep, yep, and you know it's done for the Foster a couple of times too. We've had uh, we've had uh, you know a couple a couple of horses come out of the Dubai World Cup and 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 run uh, very well here in the Foster. But you go back to Victory Gallop, he set a track record for a mile and eighth here after running in Dubai, and one one of the great performances I have ever seen at Churchill Downs. And I've been here in one fashion or another since '82 as a reporter or as a member of the team back in uh, 1997. But when Street Cry Stephen Foster here still ranks as one of the ten best performances I've ever seen at this racetrack, and he was coming off a win over there in, in Dubai as well. But, yep, we've got Royal Delta back here. And, uh, you know, last year she had a tough trip in Dubai. She came over here, and I just was and just a, a sublime performance here. I don't know any other word to, way to put it. She just uh, – that that was the, the signal that this filly was going to be awfully tough the rest of the year. I really thought she might be a Horse of the Year candidate after she uh, actually won that race here. So so here she is back here. And I talked to Bill Mott about her last week. He said, you know, what? it fits uh, right about the schedule we had last year. And, you know, they got big ambitions for her again. They got the Breeders' Cup in the sights again in the uh, in the fall out at Santa Anita. So, um, so, so here she is, and and, and she's uh, by all accounts doing exceptionally well. And I can't wait to see her run. She's she's one of my favorite mares of the last few years. Yeah, you know, I in in the words of our uh, one of my favorite old track announcers, Kevin Gomer, it looks to me like no. the race is for place. But ironically, this uh, this field is not without other championship quality. In the fact that I see a daughter of a Zeri by the name of Wine Princess is in the field, winner of the Mammoth Oaks. Yep, and she's been super impressive. I've, the, the, I've, I really like this filly. Uh, she's running very, very well for uh, for trainer Steve Margolis, who has uh, had a really good spring here so far, and he's super confident about how this filly's going to run. Again, she's got to step it up several notches. You have to think to uh, to get the job done against Royal Delta, but they, you know, this is just going to be her her uh, her second start of this year. They were very, very impressed with that first one. Again, she couldn't couldn't have won more easily, and you know she takes a big step. This is her home. This is where she trains, and she surely got the pedigree to step up there and 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 be something special. So um, so she you know if, you, if you're looking for somebody who can who can warm up the favorite, she might be the one. Funny propositions coming off a a, a nice race last time out for uh, for Mark Cassie, but. Uh, you know, it, 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 it looks like a single when you're looking at the big four. Oh, well, that's, that's why I said the race is for place. I just thought that, yeah. that you know, caught my eye that a, a, a daughter of Azarian. Plus, uh, I, like you, I am a member of the Steve Margolis fan club. I oh, think he's yeah. a really classy guy, and he's a guy that's going to be on the national map for a long time. Well, finally finally won his first stakes race at Churchill Downs this meet. All the years he's been here, he had never won a stakes race. He was so frustrated by it. Then he won an overnight stakes race here two weeks ago, 
and then last week uh, he he won the uh, the Locust Grove here last week. So he's 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 on a roll in stakes competition. This would be uh, a nice. He, he, uh, after he won the one last week, he looked at me and said, "You think good things come in threes?" And this is the one he was talking about. <laughs> well, uh, in in looking at the races uh, that you're going to present uh, on Saturday evening, um, the Matt Win uh, to me was. Uh, a real handicapping challenge. I mean, you've got you've got seven horses in here that were Triple Crown nominees, and, and as if I can turn my clock back, as I recall, uh, when the year was over last year and the early Derby betting was coming out, uh, Uncaptured uh, was right up there with Verrazano as being considered one of the best three-year-olds in the country. Yeah, he's a two-time stakes winner over this track. He swept our two stakes last haul, the uh, the Iroquois and the Kentucky Jockey Club. It, you know, it just kind of looks like he. I don't know what happened over the winter. It looks like he just got started too late. He uh, to, to really get going. He didn't have a his first race of the year until the Spiral Blue Onyx beat him there. Uh, then they uh, came back in, in the Bluegrass. As things didn't go well at all in that one, and they sent him up to Canada and got one under his uh, under under his belt in, in the Wando. But uh, but I know Mark Cassie still thinks very very highly of this Colt, and, and he's surely one of them in there. I think probably Code West might end up being the favorite here for Bob Baffert. Beaten narrowly on Derby Day by uh, Bellerman, who runs in here for Ken McPeak. But it was in the mud that day, and he came back and couldn't have won uh, more easily at, at Pimlico on, on Preakness Day. But you know, so many others, as you said, Carve was mentioned as a Triple Crown possibility early for uh, for uh, Steve Asmussen. And, you know, Treasury Bill was a horse that was – there was a lot of talk about Treasury Bill after he ran second in San Vicente. Then he threw in a poor race in, in the Rebel, and that was kind of it for him. But that the, he was a talking horse during the spring. Uh, 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 you know, Dewey Square – I thought Dewey Square might be the best two-year-old in the country last year after the after the Kentucky Jockey Club, and he is just not fired at all for uh, for uh, Dale Romans coming back. But so many possibilities in here. David Carroll's got the Tessio winner, abstraction in here. He couldn't have, couldn't have won the Tessio more easily and Sunbeam, little Louisiana bread that that ran very well in the uh, in the Louisiana Derby. Finished back off uh, a, a good bit, but he he had terrible trouble in that race. And it's a pretty nice little colt. Yeah, there's a lot of directions you can go in there. That's that's a fun betting race. Yeah, for that, exactly. That's just about what I was uh, going to present to to our listeners here on Winning Ponies. Again, we're, we're talking with John Asher from Churchill Downs, and I'm asking him to do a lot in, in, in little time. And, mm. and uh, I, I do want to talk about uh, the mile and an eighth, a regret. It's a grade three. Uh, we've got a field of 11 going to post. It should give us some betting opportunities. But I'll tell you what, I don't know how many times I look down and see the names Kittens Joy, Ken <laughs> and Sarah Ramsey, and Mike Maker in the winner's circle in Kentucky. And Ken and Sarah Ramsey, they, they, they won again today. Um, uh, Ken and Sarah Ramsey uh, and, and, and Mike Maker won today. They are closing in on a record for wins in the spring meet that was set during a 93-day spring meet. This meet this meet's going to be around thirty days. That's the that's the pace at which they're winning right now. It's just it's just remarkable. Kittens Dumpling, uh, one of the stakes winners on this meet. Uh, uh, she uh, won the Edgewood back on Kentucky Derby weekend and um, you beat some of the the rivals that uh, she'll see in this race and was just just really really impressive in that race. Her turf record's good. She's won three out of six. She was second in another one of those. Has been uh, fed to a lot of stakes competition. You got to think she's going to be tough in here. But our temporary rail will be down, so we'll be racing on the hedge on uh, on uh, Saturday night. That makes a difference at this track. Racing them on 
the hedge. It uh, seems to play a little fair. When the temporary rail is up, speed uh, doesn't guarantee speed's going to win, but speed tends to hold a little bit better. If you've got a horse with some early speed, it tends to hold them up a little. So we'll be down on the hedge, but she's, uh, she's certainly one of them that you have to say is, is, a, is a real contender to, to run well in here. Uh, Eden, Prairie, Eden Prairie in here for Neil Pesson. Here's a filly ran very well in the Appalachian, which is a grade three race uh, at, at Keeneland. Um, uh, you have uh, a Sanine girl who won the uh, the Goldenrod here last fall for uh, for Bernie Flint. Won that on the uh, on the dirt. She's getting ready uh, to run on the turf for uh, for the first time. Her pedigree says she might get it done. Wayne Catalano's been red red smoking hot here, and and Oscar Party is another one that uh, I think he's got some possibilities in here. But you know, a horse I, I think you should not allow to to get away from him. His broken spell. Now, she's only one for 15 lifetime for Wayne Lucas, and he has tried this filly everywhere. As a maiden, she ran in the uh, in the Alcibiades. She ran in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Fillies. Uh, uh, and uh, and she ran in the she ran in the Goldenrod. She she has run in so many spots. She ran in the Honeybee. Uh, she ran in the Ashland to Keeneland. Uh, but all of her grass races look like the best to me. Uh, she is uh, uh, by Broken Vow, and and Wayne has, has had her on the grass a few times. And her grass record's really super. She's uh, had four starts, wins, absolutely. Second, third place well, listen, finish, uh, John, and, as and I, I can see, my it. producer is uh, is telling me my time is up. Uh, thanks so much for for being on Winning Ponies, and I, I look forward to seeing in a couple weeks down there at Churchill Downs. Best of luck with your Saturday night cards. Looking forward to it, Johnny. Thanks so much. Hope I can visit again with you soon. All right. That's John Asher from Churchill Downs. Earlier, Mandy Minger from the Daily Racing Forum. I'm John Engelhart with Winning Ponies. Remember, if you bring a loved one to the track, practice safe bets. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.